Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio once again uh, for my weekly slot on here. Um, really appreciate you pressing play or even joining us live um, to, to listen to this one. Um, just before we kick off, it's probably a really good time for me to give a massive uh, thanks and shout out to our sponsor on this show, this Pearson MFL. And if you want to find out more about Pearson's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs that cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying, then you can find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL. And we've done three shows with Pearson recently. Uh, We've had a, a range of guests talking about language learning and the relevance of language learning. Uh, It was a three-parter. And we've just published the blog on the Teachers Talk Radio website where you can access each of those three episodes and listen back to them. So if you're interested in the relevance of language learning or you're interested in language learning in general, then I highly recommend heading over there uh, to ttradio.org, clicking on the blog uh, bit, And then the most recent blog has all three of those podcasts on there. Um, Just also before we get into the topics for tonight, um, we are now, I've been just been reliably informed that we are approximately 25 followers away on Teachers Talk Radio from 17,000. So come on, click that follow button on Teachers Talk Radio. Give, Give them a go, you know, give them a go. Um, What have you got to lose um, if you don't already? Um, Well, actually, you've got a lot to gain because um, our resident um, edu journalist supreme, Tom Hopkins Burke, is behind the scenes uh, all day, every day, um, giving you the latest, the best and latest news. And at the moment, he's tweeting out the live bits from the NEU webinar uh, that they're currently holding, um, which apparently has hit the thousand limit on um, the 6.5% um, pay offer. So if you're interested, uh, follow TTR. You know, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so yeah, massive thanks to Pearson for sponsoring tonight. And uh, we're going to crack on. Now, what I-, I thought we could talk about this evening, I'm going to start with uh, this particular topic, is a tweet that I put out um, on Thursday or Friday that caused like more of a stir than I thought it would um, when I tweeted it. Um, and it was about, it, it was essentially about the idea and the concept of, of laziness. So I'm going to read you the tweet um, first. 
So this was on the 14th of July. Um, a, a lot of kids want to bunk lessons because they are lazy. Some kids want to stay at home and bunk school because they can't be asked. It's not trauma. It's not poor relational practice. Uh, why is this now an untruth or blasphemy to say? That was my original tweet. Um, now, obviously, it got a heck of a lot of responses on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll read a few of them out. Um, I'll, I'll read a, a fair few of them out. Um, Joe said, your do, do now task probably isn't engaging enough. Thanks for that, Joe. Jack said, I think behaviour is an attempt to tell you something. If someone likes school, they go. If they don't, they find a reason not to. I'm early in my teaching career and this isn't research, but I found every truant or serial absentee has some deterministic background influence. Um, I replied to that, but the reason can sometimes even often be, I can't be asked. Um, David replied, and the fact that secondary school hours ignore the sleep brain states of the students. So many are actually meant to be asleep for the majority of the day and fully awake as school finishes. Um, I actually like that comment. I mean, I, I quite like the idea of the school day starting later. Um, I, I, and I actually said that to David. I said, I don't necessarily disagree with this because I don't. Um, I mean, you know, kids and particularly teenagers, I've always struggled to get out of bed. Um, and I'm sure many teenagers, if you said to them, look, your school hours can be 10 till um 4.30 or 5 instead of 8 till 3 or whatever, then I, I think a lot would be like, yeah, okay. Um, might not be good for the teacher's mind um, because of um, their own sort of schedules and whatever else. Um, Dalmatian sends that all behaviour is communication. Maybe I should try listening. Uh, Terry said there are lots of reasons kids miss school. Unfortunately, you can't make sweeping generalisations and have to take each case as it comes to resolve. It's not easy. Uh, but calling kids lazy, I would argue, is lazy. Um, I replied to that. Some teenagers are lazy, though, not just some, a lot. This is something to be normalised. They are just normal kids. Um, Olga said, I made my eldest go to school for far too long. Consequently, he had autistic burnout. He was not lazy. He had severe anxiety. And we, as parents, made it worse by forcing him. Our best decision was to keep him home after Christmas 2016. Thanks for that comment, Olga. Um, Sarah said, our students had two years at an age where they were deeply impressionable, where they were reminded constantly that if they go out and mix in a crowd, they could catch a disease that would kill them or their loved ones. It's not a surprise they don't want to attend school. Uh, Janice from Denver in Colorado said, thank you. I'm tired of everything being trauma, in inverted commas. Uh, Michael, Michael Tidd said, also no doubt a lot of them get away with it because their parents are lazy. Uh, just the Geordie last said, do their parents have anything to do with this? I have a 15 year old girl. And if she can't be asked to go to school, it's tough. S-H-I-T, she goes. That's a tweet from Kelly, the, the Geordie lass. Um, uh, anyway, there's about 150 more comments um, on there. I can't read every single comment out. We do have um, some guests who definitely disagree with me on tonight. This is to quash rumours that I don't want to talk to anybody who disagrees with me. This is just not true. I, I, I want to. I want to engage with people who think completely the opposite. In fact, I find it really interesting. I found it really, really interesting. One of those people who is coming on in just a moment 
hopefully with a bit of luck, is, and I don't know her name because I only secured her as a guest today. So I only know her Twitter account handle, which is Frankie42Oxford. Frankie42Oxford said, uh, the more interesting thing is to work out why they are behaving in the way that you deem lazy. In my 25 years of experience, there's no such thing as a naturally lazy child. It's our education system that turns them off and makes them disengaged. And that's what you describe as lazy. Well, before I, I give my response to that, because I'd rather speak to Frankie and actually you know, give her a, a response in verbally rather than sort of read a, a tweet response. So I've invited you in, Frankie, if you can join in as a speaker. Um, hopefully, admin, if you're having any problems, just, just DM TTR account and we can hopefully try and get you in that way. Uh, let's see if Priestley Ken um, has anything to say, because Priestley Ken is calling in. Are they real? Possibly. We'll see. Priestley, are you there? Uh, sorry, I think I restyled on leaving. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Brilliant. That's wonderful. Sorry. That's No, that's absolutely fabulous. Do you, you know what? Before you go, do you yeah. have a view on um, if children can be lazy or not? Um, that's a big question. I've been following this thread all day. I've been teaching for 35 years. Um, and I've noticed a big disengagement since uh, the lockdowns. Um, but I don't think it's naturally, it, it's not laziness. But then I'm fortunate enough to teach A-level chemistry. But I know they do need a lot more nudging. So it, it, you, I don't think it's a 50-50, you know, they are lazy or they're not lazy. So I'm quite interesting to hear your, your guest. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sorry yes. for busting in there. <laughs> No, I'm going to let you continue to either run the bath or do the washing up. It's one of the two. Okay. So enjoy and goodbye. Um, Frankie, are you there now? Yeah, I am here. Can you hear me? Hello, I can indeed. Hi. Um, thanks for coming on. That's um, okay. Right, I want, to, I want to dig into this with you. I want to ask you about this tweet. So you, you've said in, in, I've already read my tweet out um, about, kids being being lazy i don't mean all kids um because i mean my tweet here says a lot of kids want to bunk lessons because they are lazy out of the kids who want to bunk lessons um not every child wants to bunk lessons some kids want to stay at home and bunk school because they can't be asked it's not trauma it's not poor relational practice why is this now an untruth or blasphemy to say i completely understand that this was a a very controversial statement for many people. Um, your response was, the more, the more interesting thing is to work out why they are behaving in the way you deem lazy. In my 25 years of experience, there's no such thing as a naturally lazy child. I want to ask you about this first. By the way, what is your name? Is it Frank? <laughs> no, it's Julia. Okay, Julia, sorry. Nice um, to meet you. No. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so this thing of, like, I want to dig down first. Tell me about, this bit this, the, in my 25 years of, of experience there is no such thing as a naturally lazy child can you expand on that yeah I think maybe that my experience is a bit different from other people because I started off teaching in Scotland in primary two so that's kind of you know five to six year olds and um and I spent a bit of time in nursery as well and then I've come all the way through up to a level and I guess therefore 
I can see where things start to go wrong because I've gone all the way through. And I don't think that when children are young that they are in any way lazy. You know, young children are curious and they want to learn and they, they're engaged so easily and so quickly. And I just think that we start to go wrong at a certain point and it uh, my view would be that that happens at the top end of primary and the beginning of secondary um because i mean most teachers will find won't they that a year seven class come in they're all really bright eyed and bushy tailed and then kind of year eight year nine things start to go a bit wrong um and you know you maybe get a bit focused back by 10 and 11 because you know there's gcse's being sort of held over them um, but yeah, I just don't think that I don't, I guess I don't agree with this idea that there's an innate sort of lassitude in, in children. Um, and I think that also you've seen on my tweets today that I have a problem anyway, being an English teacher with the term lazy. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a catch all, just like we used to talk about children being, you know, um, well, in, not understanding the varying different types of SEN children, you know, we would just call them remedial instead of understanding that there were so many different variations and types of difficulty that meant that children couldn't learn. And I think lazy is the same kind of word. It just encompasses far too much. So, yeah, that's that's why. I'm OK, I mean, I'll read I'll read your sort of further reply, because um, you've said here, I fundamentally object to the word lazy. It's it's generic, non-descriptive, a negative word that umbrellas a whole set of behaviours and condemns a child with no attempt at understanding. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, when, when you mentioned there about, you know, coming to the end of primary and into secondary, could you argue that the reason that students appear to become more lazy or start to, and I know you object to the word lazy, but we're yeah, going to have to use it right. because that's the whole, the whole point of it. Yeah. But is there an argument there to say that they're becoming teenagers and at the age of 12 or 30, I mean, when I was eight or nine, I was an idyllic, lovely child <laughs> who would, would be enthused and engaged with anything that anyone put in front. Well, not anything, but most of what any, anyone could put in front of me because I was eight or nine. I was a child. I, I was, you know, and it was great. And then suddenly these sort of hormones kicked in when I was about 12, 13, whatever age, and then I became just horrible um, as as a person. And one of the one of the and it, it, granted, it lasted for maybe three or four years. Um, and, you know, you come out of it. But I I would have thought that would be a common experience. And I would have thought that and, and many of the replies that sort of affirm this did say that, you know, they were lazy as kids. So, I mean, what what would you say to me or to them? Because you've said in 25 years You've never come across a, a, a naturally lazy child. Well, that would be nature because it's to do with hormones that made me lazy. I mean, I'm still a bit lazy now. I mean, have you ever bumped into lazy adults? Yeah, someone asked me that. I mean, I just I just don't think that, you know, it's funny because someone on your um, tweets today said something about, you know, it's just human nature to be lazy. And I mean, I just would say the opposite and say that I think it's human nature to be curious. So I, I'm really surprised that someone put that. And that's my experience of, of most of 
you know young people and actually I talked to so I have a 16 year old in the house and all about six of her friends are here tonight and we had a little discussion about the word lazy and um, you know I think their view that very well put was that you know quite a few of them have been called lazy in their time and they could all give me very good um, sort of and different reasons why they might have been called that so again it just kind of shows that within one catch-all word you've got a whole load of different things that are going on but the suggestion is i guess and correct me if i'm wrong from what you've said is that that there is that that in every case of a child being and we'll use that term because there is no other that I can think of at the moment to substitute it with, of being lazy, there is no other, there is always a cause for it that is not laziness. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where I am. And I mean, I've got a really nice example for you if, if it's useful because... Um, Go. I, yeah. Okay, so I taught in a school um, in West Oxfordshire um, and I went in in the April um, and the teacher had left under difficult circumstances and I inherited a year 11 extra English group who met on a Wednesday when everyone else goes home from school and they were the children who were struggling with English so you can imagine how those year 11s were coming to that lesson at 1 30 or 2 o'clock I can't remember in the afternoon so the first couple of sessions I had which were an hour long with them I literally had children come in and swear at me they put their heads on their desks they walked out they you know, they were absolutely disengaged, absolutely did not want to be in that room at all, understandably, I would say. And um, after <laughs> trying a lot of things, and I won't bother going into it, but lots of things that failed, I'm not going to say I was some kind of wonder teacher that sorted it out within a week, it took me six or seven weeks to kind of work out what to do. I, I worked out that what we needed to do was give them a voice. So I said to them, okay, if you're so hacked off, let's write letters let's write letters to Radio 4 and let's like write letters and there was something going on at the time and I can't remember the programme but let's write letters and explain why you feel so disengaged and so unhappy and I gave them proper paper, gave them proper pens, I let them draft the letters and I got letters, really really good letters out of every single year 11 in that group, boys and girls and then what was even nicer was those letters went off to Radio 4 and they replied and then the head teacher got that group in to see him and they talked about all the things that they had found frustrating and, you know, what was going on with them. And then <laughs> Angela Rayner came to visit the school and Angela Rayner had that group of kids in to talk to them about what had happened and why they had felt the way they had and why they'd written these letters and so on. And, you know, what I noticed was that those kids when they were first asked to go into the head teacher's office you have never seen so many scared children you have never seen so many really big boys who look like they just wanted to you know you know punch you probably a lot of the time look terrified before they went in and how hard they found it to express themselves and to me that tells you everything about why they were disengaged and what was going on with them so they well, what does that tell you it does well it tells you that the system had failed them completely that they had got to a point where school was so irrelevant to them that when they were told you've got extra english on a wednesday with this new teacher who you've never met their attitude was to come in and swear at me and I kind of get it because when you listen to what they were saying, what they were saying was that the system just doesn't work for what they want to do and where they wanted to be in life. Not because they were lazy, but because they didn't want to be sitting in a classroom 
you know, studying Shakespeare for, you know. When, when you say you get it, are you saying that if a student doesn't want to do something or learn something because they don't like it, that it's okay to swear at, swear at someone? That, no, it's not okay. Case. It's not okay at all. But I understand the circumstances of why they did it at that point. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's okay. And I don't think they ever thought it was okay that they did that to me. I think okay. I think their attitudes but, have changed massively during the, the, the term, you know, but it, it took a while because it's about trust, isn't it? And it's about them understanding that what they're doing with you is relevant. And they understood it was relevant because they had a voice and that voice was listened to. So they understood that writing a letter, which in GCSE terms is just an exercise you do, isn't it? It's just an exercise for a paper and you're told to put persuasive writing techniques in and you've got to put a load of them in and you'll get these many marks. They actually wrote real letters that had a purpose and that's what that's what we're missing isn't it that's what we're missing is them understanding why they're doing it i think i mean that may that may or may not be true and there will be many people who would say it is true um about you know sort of like you know a number of students not not feeling purposeful in their work in school but but also that that doesn't necessarily negate the idea that a laziness exists as a concept and, and the definition of, of lazy is unwilling to work or use energy yeah. that's yeah. the very simple definition yeah. of, of of laziness um it, so a the idea that laziness does not exist as a concept and b the idea that if a student is exhibiting behaviors that one would call that unwilling to work or use energy that this is not because they're lazy it's because of another issue and, and you are saying that um this is always the case yeah, I think it always is, because I think every behaviour is telling story. And I think if kids are disengaged, there's going to be a whole, every child's an individual. So you can't possibly say it's going to be the same for every child, because every child's coming with a vast number I never of said, different to, to things. Be fair, to, to be fair, I've never said at any point that it will be the same for every child. And I've never suggested, I, I mean, I think I said to you in, in one of the replies that... Um, a teacher should always ask questions. They should always, um, in fact, I think it was via DM that I said this, but they should always ask questions. They should always interrogate before making any conclusions on anything um, because that's good teaching, essentially. And, and of course, they should look to, to, to see, you know, what data there is, what um, reports there are, what, you know, all those things that, that the vast majority of teachers will do. Um, and and they shouldn't certainly they should always be be cautious with with any conclusions. But obviously, a teacher will be asked their opinion. A teacher will will be asked, you know, what, even on a parent evening, what do you think of John? What what you know what's going on with John? Mm. And if there is no reason uh, for it other than the behaviour that's being exhibited, which is laziness, then how can we then sort of almost make up stuff to, to, to <laughs> sort of excuse that if that makes sense like i we have to base it on we have to base it on something i guess i guess this comes down to the idea that i believe that laziness exists yeah. and i believe that i believe that people can be lazy or or and this includes adults and children yeah um people can exhibit behaviors that one would identify as laziness it doesn't make them 
a lazy person and it doesn't mean that someone should go up to them in their face and say you are lazy it doesn't it doesn't i've never done that and it doesn't suggest that but what it does suggest in my view is that a laziness exists and b at certain points people can be lazy and yes people can have a um a oh god i'm trying to think of the right word a not preposition not a disposition yeah towards towards being uh, towards being more lazy and i would include myself in that bracket mm-hmm. um you know um when it comes to particularly when it comes to things i don't want to do um <laughs> so that's why i was sort of i guess surprised because i i genuinely thought that the that the majority of people would would go along with that which is why i guess i was surprised it was it was so controversial to yeah. people so i guess i guess my i guess my view is this that it's quite a, it has quite negative connotations um and well it, do, it does have negative connotations in the sense it, it, it is a it is a negative behavior yeah so so, so, so think, if you say i think so if i say oh julia i, I think julia is lazy not yeah. to you but to someone else i think julia is lazy yes that that has negative connotations but at some point we have to be if, if that's what we if that's after much cautious deliberation if that's what we think you know if someone asks us our opinion and we don't give it in an honest way then uh, even if that is negative or critical then is that then letting down those kids well i just think it's about being more specific i just think you have to be you know if you know the children in your class really well you find the specifics so when you're talking to parents or you're talking to other teachers you're talking you're you know you dig down to the specifics of what it is so you look beyond what the obvious you know the behavior is they don't do their homework when they come into class they don't open the book they don't get stuff out they never bring their belongings um they never put their hand up um when you ask them to go group tasks they never contribute i mean there's all these all things that you could then say well they're just lazy they don't try um but I would want to know why they aren't doing those things. And I'd want to ask them why. And I'd want, and if they couldn't give me a reason, and I get that you might get, well, I don't know, miss, I don't know, miss, you know, or nothing. But I'd be watching and trying to work out what is going on with this kid? Why are they not doing anything at all? Because honestly, I just don't believe that that there's any joy or fun or in, or anything for a, for a young person in just sitting literally doing nothing in a lesson when they could be if the lesson is stimulating and enjoyable and I know I believe that most lessons most of the time are pretty good you know when you walk around schools and you see most teachers doing a pretty good job of making stuff interesting as within the remit of what they've got I just think there's something else going on I, I, I look at teenagers and you know obviously I told you I've got three children and the youngest is 16 so I've you know I've seen them go through my experience of teenagers is not that they are sort of uninterested, uncaring people that don't care about the world. I think the opposite. I think they really care. And we, we're just not allowing them to, to find... But not, all, not all of them, not, not all teenagers or adults do care. You know, not, not all of them do care. Well, I think that's because they've been switched off because they think there's no point in caring. Well, po- well, well, possibly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, and then you have it. to ask why. Do, what do I do to change that? How do I help them change so they are interested? That's my job. I mean, you said you said in the tweet um, following on there, it's our education. So, in relation to you saying there's no such thing as a naturally lazy child, or or, or there's no such thing as laziness. You you said 
it's our education system that turns them off and makes them disengaged. So from what you've also said here, it seems to me that you're saying that like a lack of, of, of engagement slash the curriculum slash <laughs> yeah. poor teaching slash whatever, whatever, the whatever, are, are the reasons in 100% of the cases as to why someone would behave in, quote, definition of lazy, a way that they were unwilling to work or use energy. Now, my experience to sort of put across my view there is, and I, d- I don't know what context you've worked in. I, j- I, I don't know. I know you've worked through all the age ranges. Um, the schools that I've worked in, in, in you know, uh, the city centre of Liverpool in, 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 in North Wales, um, you know, mainstream secondary comprehensives, um, where the proportion of teenagers who exhibit behaviours of laziness are quite high. I would suggest that not all of them, it's because they're disengaged with learning. You, you, I, I think there is, in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, there are um, uh, students who, who, who naturally do not want to learn because they just don't want to do it. Because it's, number one, it, it requires, um, they're lazy, so it requires effort. Um, number two, um, they, they're maybe not interested in it at that particular point. Um, and I just think that's a natural thing that a teenager would not want to do something because not every teenager, but some teenagers won't want to do something because they can't be bothered. And they will say to you, I can't be bothered. And they're not lying. And the reason they're saying that is not because of the curriculum or because of you or because of the school or because of what they've been doing in a lesson. It's simply what they're telling you the truth. They, they can't be bothered because they can't be bothered. That's my opinion. Some of them, not all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would just say the list you've just given of all those things is the reason they can't be bothered. And it's just, you know, and I get that because as you're talking, I'm thinking back to, you know, well, which subjects? did I feel at school that I really just wasn't very interested and was desperate to give up and you know you definitely don't have the same motivation in those subjects because they don't they don't grab you they don't make you feel like you want to learn more and so some students will just kind of get on with it because they have to and they they feel some obligation and other kids will just go why why should I but I don't think that's laziness that's that's making a choice that says this isn't for me. This is not relevant to me. I don't, I'm not interested or I find this really hard. There's just a whole load of reasons that are going on that aren't just, aren't actually a, a sort of physical or mental, I can't be bothered. It's more than that. It's about, it's about feeling that it's something that's relevant to you. And I think I was actually thinking today, cause I was in Liverpool today. I was on the way back from the Isle of Man and um, I was thinking about history because I know obviously, and then actually my degrees in history. And um, I was thinking about why is it so many kids just don't really engage with history. And it's because we don't, you know, again, they don't get from so young that um, the experience of why history is relevant to them. And so then suddenly they, they're faced with the GCSE. And if they haven't really had that journey and they don't get it from home, you know, like obviously my kids have been dragged around every castle going because it's, you know, that's what I love. But 
but there are <laughs> many, many children whose own experience of history is quite dry and it's in school. And, you know, so therefore, but what, it's not what, very evidence, relevant. What, what evidence do you have for that out of interest? Because as a history teacher myself, I think there's a huge amount of really high quality practice going on in primary and secondary. Oh, yeah. And I still think, and I still think at the end of that, you still have students who say, I can't be bothered and I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, so there's no, nothing no. to do with the teaching and learning going on. Yeah, I've never, and honestly, not in one of my tweets have I ever said anything about bad teaching. I completely don't blame teachers for any of this. I would no, never but you, do that. you have just said, you have just said, correct me if I'm wrong, that history is is taught in a dry way. Well, or, or the... I just mean that, no, I, I don't mean that teachers are delivering it in a dry way. I just mean that the nature of history in school can only to a certain extent be quite dry because in the end it's in a textbook or it's on a powerpoint or maybe it's on a video or maybe you might have some artifacts or you might be able to go on the old school trip but in the end it's quite difficult to bring it to life in the way that you would if children you know the children who live in homes where it's possible for them to go to, on holiday and see historical sites or you know it's privilege isn't it it's privilege which means that those children have access and so when when you start teaching them history at GCSE, they have a context and they've seen things and they've understood stuff where the children who've come from maybe more deprived backgrounds, they've only ever seen it in a photograph or on a film. They've never really experienced it properly. And so it doesn't have the same relevance for them. And um, so I'm not blaming schools or teachers for that per se. I'm just saying, you know, that's a bigger issue with our society, isn't it? But it's, it comes down to the same thing, which is how can you expect a child who's who's had such limited experience to really want to engage with you know Auschwitz or something when they've never they don't actually really know where where that is and they don't understand they've never been to Europe and blah 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 you could go on and on couldn't you whereas you take the child who's been going to Europe and since they were really young and their parents have talked about politics at the table and they you know it's so completely different and so that's what I mean about the system and the way what is that, that the schools have to help those children. You know, you've got a much bigger job helping those sorts of kids engage, haven't you? You can't expect them. To I don't know. You know engage. what? I don't. That's that's not. In some ways, that's not my experience. I worry there about sort of the expectations we're putting on students from, you know, dis disadvantaged backgrounds compared to not by saying, oh, you'd expect them to not be as interested. You'd expect them to not be as engaged. You'd expect them to not be. I don't I don't go along with that. I, I sort of in my experience, the kids that I've taught, it it it, it, it hasn't necessarily mattered their background. They, they and it certainly hasn't mattered from my perspective either, but it hasn't mattered from theirs in terms of the the, the engagement they've shown in history. I, I sort of I I disagree that history is inherently a dry subject. I, I disagree that I don't think it is, and I don't think that it's in this country is is taught in a in a in a dry way i i, I again uh, neither of us probably we, we'd have to go around the entire country and sort of like look at every history lesson that's being taught but in the experience of you know if you only have to look at option numbers at gcse to see that a lot of students take history a huge amount of students take history at, at gcse level a lot because of they want do, interestingly there isn't it? it's very skewed and a level even also that's a whole other issue but it, yeah i don't know i don't know the stats on it i mean a lot yeah, of girls okay. uh, you know I've, I've taught classes over the year that have been 80 90 girls um, okay. and sort of 10 20 boys um but yeah i mean i don't know the stats on it you could be right um but i don't I, the point i'm trying to make is do you think that that's do you, do you understand my concern there in, in sort yeah, of yeah yeah i'm saying, not trying oh, you know 
to make generalized but, statements. I'm just saying I can understand it. I can understand and my experience, because obviously, although my degrees in history, I've mostly taught English. Um, my, my, my experience is that when I've taught, and you've got to know that I've taught in some extremely privileged prep schools and I've taught in some extremely, I've taught in schools in, in place in Oxford that are in quite in areas of deprivation. So I've, but do I've you think that whole, could colour, could, could that, could that colour your impression that in 25 years of experience there's no such thing as a naturally no, lazy child? No, no, not at all. All I'm, all I'm trying to say to you is this, that I am very aware of what privilege gives because I've seen it. I've seen the children who are being prepped for Eton. I see what what those kids have experienced, and I see what the kids in um, in a in a, a state school in a slightly deprived area will have experienced. And I'm just saying that it's much harder. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm just saying that if you've got kids that are disengaged in those schools, then it might partly be because the subject is not feeling very relevant to them because they don't have you know it's not part of their life experience in the way that a child in a really privileged place might have not necessarily i'm not saying they all have i'm just saying that i've seen it with my own eyes i've seen the difference that makes um and uh, you know from quite a young age and it's it's not fair it's part of our world and it's it's why people who've tweeted today about oh it's up to the parents you know it's like well yes it is but when you've got parents who've been in a cycle of of deprivation you know, and their their families have been in that, you know, for, for generations. You can't expect those parents to be able to do the same thing at home that parents who've had a university education or whatever are able to do. It's just it's just not a fair comparison. So schools do have to pick that up a bit. I think that's right, isn't it? Uh, we've got Tom calling in. Tom, do you want to throw your two pennies in here? Oh, um, I'm not going to be long. I don't know where to start. I find this classist idea that students from more deprived backgrounds um, can't be as interested in history as students from a Jewish background. I, I, think it's co- I think it's complete and utter nonsense. And actually, I, I think it's that. insulting. It is <laughs> insulting. The I didn't students say who that. I have taught, many of whom have come from impoverished and disadvantaged backgrounds who have received the awe and wonder of history from history teachers in their classroom who don't you know it'd be wouldn't it be wonderful if we could take students out on school trips every half term it would be amazing if we could but teachers and history teachers in particular are experts at bringing the past to life in their classrooms and they can do so through all variety of means including from some which might be perceived to be more traditional types um, of engagement. But actually, um, the ability to bring the past life through a well-chosen source or initial stimulus material by looking at conflicting interpretations of the past or by reading about um, a particular African kingdom from a textbook, you know, I think it's insulting to say that some kids naturally, through their human nature, don't, can't be engaged by that. I think it's insulting to say, to actually have that deficit model of some students whereby they get switched off by that. Actually, I think our, you know students are naturally curious, they're naturally inventive, they're naturally creative, they're naturally intrigued by some of the want, want awe and wonder and mysteries of the past. And history teachers are experts at bringing that to life in the classroom. And I think to suggest that kids are being turned off history by the nature of the subject matter I don't think it's a fair argument to make Julia we'll give you an opportunity to to respond 
Well, I, I, I think you've misunderstood what I was saying because you've just said exactly what I said, which is that children are naturally curious. That's what I started off with, um, which is why I don't agree with the idea that children are lazy. And all I was trying to say, I was not at all criticising history teachers, and I've seen loads of excellent, amazing practice in schools where I've been, and I've taught history as well as English. It, it's, I'm not trying to say that at all. I'm just saying that if you have a child that's disengaged, it might be one of the reasons. I'm not saying it is the reason. I'm just saying it might be one of the reasons that they haven't had a grounding, a context at home. And therefore, it's really difficult to make sense of what's going on. Just the same in English. You know, if they've never, ever experienced Shakespeare, they've never been to a Shakespeare play, but another child in the class has, they've immediately got an advantage. And it's your job as a teacher, isn't it, to try and close that gap and understand why that child doesn't want to engage. And that that might be one of the reasons. That's all I'm saying. I'm definitely not criticising anybody's history teaching anywhere. Tom, do you want to say any more? No, I, no, I get I get the point. But I, I think it's... a. I've, and yeah, I think sometimes, um, and you know, those of us who you know have taught some students who have come from a lower prior attainment um, and very lower prior attainment will know that sometimes students will switch off if they can't access the material um, or if they can't access the lesson. Now that that goes for history lessons, that goes for any subject. And you know, I think it's important that a teacher um, in any classroom in any subject is able to scaffold the learning or model the learning or chunk it and break it down so that all learners can access it but actually it's what tom said in the past about flipping not fl moving the accountability um spectrum um ever so slightly further back towards the student and ever so slightly further away from the teacher and not putting 99 percent of it towards the teacher and actually giving the student sort of and actually putting the onus on the student to engage and not making it the job for the teacher to put lots of bells and whistles in julia <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's about, so, I mean, where I am with that is it's about building a relationship. So I don't think you would find that my lessons have lots of bells and whistles. Um, I just think it's um, about my, my, my way of doing things is to build relationships so that the children, the students, whatever age group they are, uh, generally want to come in and engage because there's a respect and there's a relationship and that's what makes things happen and then if something's difficult and they don't have the context or the understanding then they're more likely to be more honest about that and to you know allow to ask for help for example it's all about those relationships I think um, so I do understand what you're saying that students have to be responsible for their own learning of course they do and a good teacher gives them that responsibility um, but I do also think fundamentally it, it, that that comes down to mutual respect right from the start and mm -hmm. them understanding you respect them and they respect you and then that's where it begins and um, Tom and Tom can I ask a question just from the host seat here Yes. Oh, nice. Okay, but as both history Ooh, teachers, um, uh, did you both of you, or either one, try as hard in history as you did in geography when you were, were in Key Stage Three, or, or did you have a preference there? Was there one you were working harder in? Tom HB will go first. I think I tried just as hard in history as I did in geography. I'm trying to think of some subjects where I didn't try as hard. And the answers were probably art and DT. Those are the ones which I just didn't like. And 
I sort of sacked off and I tried not to do as much as I would of any other subjects. Yeah, I mean, um, I, Rogers, I, I can't remember, mate. Um, I think because that, it was 50 years ago, and also I was incredibly lazy, so that's that's also why I can't remember because I was in some sort of haze thinking about when the bell was going to go so I could go home. Um, no, I think I, I mean, I, I always liked history, um, that's for sure. I didn't like geography, like, I specifically remember that. Sorry to all the geographers, um, I didn't like geography, um, so but I can't, I, I always sort of. You know, I, I was always nice, um, but I, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember why. What? Why are you asking, Nate? I was just wondering. You know, we, we got we got stuck on a, a kind of history tip there, and it's interesting what what Tom H B then said about you know this kind of you know if we are going to be using the word lazy, which I you know I'm a little uncomfortable with, but I can see your point on it. Is 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 that are we talking across all subjects? Are we talking subject specific? You know, where, where does that kind of behaviour appear? And that, that interests me about this conversation so Nathan, far. Nathan, I have a question for you. Yes. I know you've taught in many a different school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, how many meetings have you sat in where you thought, what is the point of this? When can I go home? Oh, no. Like, I, you know, I... Is it I hundreds? Being... Oh, hundreds. Um, hundreds. You know, in, in a week, some, some weeks. But, like, you know, it, is that me being lazy? You know, and, and I think a lot of this is hinged on that word in particular. I use that word. I use that word about myself. I use it in a semi-positive way sometimes to say, oh, I'm going to have a lazy Sunday today. Mm. You know, and so there, there seems to be a lot of negativity hanging on it. When I tend to use it sometimes in like a, a positive or a descriptive way, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, can I just say, I, I don't see it as a, I, I completely agree with what you've just said, Nathan, in the sense that for me, I just see it as a normal human thing that 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 many humans have and particularly teenagers because of the hormones that teenagers exhibit at that time so like i'll be honest with you guys i asked you i slacked off in history and i slacked off in re and not by by any means you know those are two things that really interest me now I was a geographer and I put in loads of work into my geography but i maybe i couldn't keep that up across the board or maybe I just didn't, for whatever reason, in my, you know, I, I wasn't interested in those things at the time. But, you know, I, I, I did slack off in them. And I can't say that that wasn't any more than me not putting in 100% effort. So I would describe myself in that sense as, uh, you know, I was being a bit lazy in those and I could have picked it up a bit. But I'm not sure. Like, I think it gets a bit blurry after that. But I think with, I, I want to bring Julia back in. Julia, you, you know, this sort of this whole discussion hinges on. The idea that whether we like the word or not, your idea is that in there is no such thing as a as a lazy child. Yeah, I guess so. And that's what Tom was saying, that he thinks that, you know, most students are naturally curious. And I mean, that would always have been my point of view that, you know, having and I guess, like I said, it might come from the fact that I started off teaching, you know, right, right at the beginning. And I've seen that curiosity and I. I still think that's there in teenagers. I don't think it goes away. It's just that maybe their curiosity is in different directions at that point. And, you know, they might have different ways that they're beginning to explore the world and understand. And, you know, I would give an example perhaps um, of, a you know, a student who found that, for example, watching and listening to podcasts on YouTube um, 
you know is a good way of learning for them which for a level which might not be something necessarily I know lots of teachers will encourage that in class but not you know not all students will think about that or access that young enough perhaps they might only realize that that's the way they learn by the time they're 16 17 when perhaps they might have found that really useful when they were 12 and they were already watching loads of YouTube and listening to loads of stuff but not understanding that that's the way their brain works and it just takes a but, while but to what work you... that out but all I'm saying is, in the schools I've worked in, this is what I find so surprising is, take away the word lazy, replace it with the actual definition of lazy, which is unwilling to work. Yeah. I, I, have, I have experienced hundreds, if not thousands of children. This is not because, believe it or not, I was that crap. Okay? <laughs> just that. I have experienced hundreds, if not thousands of children in my time as a teacher who have been unwilling to work when they've walked through the door. Never mind when they've actually sat down at a table. Now, that may be, you know, the schools I've taught in or it may be the, 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 the whatever. It may be my misunderstanding of their, you know, of, of their behaviours or whatever. I don't know. But my opinion is that that was a genuine unwillingness to work. And in many cases, not all, not all cases, but in many cases, that was because they were unwilling to work because they couldn't be bothered because they couldn't be bothered okay. because they couldn't be bothered. Tom, <laughs> Tom, I have a question for you. When you're thinking about the hundreds of students who you've come across who fit that description, what's the gender balance? Do you start to think of boys or do you start to no. think of girls? No, or is that quite even? It's probably pretty even, to be honest. Um, I haven't really thought about that. Um, so I don't know the answer to that one, really. Um, let's bring, let's bring um, I want to bring Gemma, uh, I want to bring AP teacher in because he's been waiting very patiently. Then we'll go to Gemma after that. Um, AP teacher. Hi there. Um, yeah, I'm David, uh, just as a brief introduction. So I worked in mainstream and now in alternate provision. The, the first thing I want to jump into is what I think is the 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 main reason this is has been so controversial i think if gillian keegan had tweeted out a lot of teachers want to reduce contact time because they are lazy some teachers want more ppa because they can't be asked it's not burnout it's not need for planning time why is this now an untruth i think that a lot more people would have been uh, quite incensed by that and i think it is that word lazy where it's pushing so much more of the onus on towards, in the case of your tweet, onto the students. And I think that core reasons for disengagement are so much broader than that. So do you think, do you think students can be lazy? Hello? I think that... Hi there, <laughs> sorry. I think that people can be lazy. I think that laziness can exist... But I think that when we use it as a term, especially in a very general sense, it removes the uh, the, necessi the necessity for us as teachers to try and unpick why there's that disengagement. Julia, did you want to jump in there on that? 
Sorry, I just missed that a bit. Can you say it again? I was <laughs> I was dealing with something at home. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like um, you're moved. being, it sounds like a tidal wave is heading through your house. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I've moved, it's um, okay. Say, so can you just repeat sorry? Well, don't worry, I thought you wanted to say something. Go on, Dave, you, you carry on. I did hear, point. I heard the bit about, I was listening to when you were talking about how teachers are um, being accused of being lazy and the word being used in a slightly different context, if that's what you mean. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, David, I don't know whether, I mean, in, in answer to what you've just said, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of, and I did say it in the tweet, this was my experience and my opinion. Um, of course, there would be people who wouldn't like that if Gillian Keegan said that. Would it, would it be, I guess it depends what you deem to be the truth, doesn't it? Um, you know, uh, what is the truth of the matter? Ask, ask, ask is is what i said true or not would what gillian keegan said be true or not and it would be up to people to decide that i think that's a fair point i think what it does show is that the the strength of of language and how it can be perceived and i think laziness though you've read the dictionary definition it does have more connotations to it than say disengaged which would I mean, I've not looked at the dictionary definition, but I think most people would understand as meaning uh, the, the same as, you know, not engaging with the work, basically. Um, and I think that what using the word laziness does, as opposed to disengaged, is it's, it's saying that student is themselves lazy, therefore removing some of the responsibility from us as teachers or, more importantly, more broadly, as schools in trying to rectify that disengagement because I think just to use a, a personal anecdote my son has uh, completed GCSEs last year I think he would have been the the uh, poster child for laziness disengaged in a lot of lessons um, wouldn't do homework just really wouldn't engage with that has now moved to college and is getting distinctions across the board because there is a range of different approaches that work for him in the subjects that he is interested in and I think that when we say lazy rather than disengaged we're saying well that's a student issue not a systemic issue but can I ask you what, what David what what is I know you don't like the word but let's just sort of use it because it's in the dictionary and it, it exists whether we like it or not what what is the difference for you between lazy and disengaged is there, is there a difference in your view between the two? Because for me, they're not synonyms. And also, I would also add in there that for me, I th there is also a difference between saying uh, John is lazy or John is behaving in a lazy way. There's, to me, there's a difference between those two statements. It may be subtle, but it is very valid. Because I think we've some very valid points have made is like, right, I was lazy as a teenager. By the time I was, I don't know, whatever, 17, 18, 19, I wasn't anymore. And actually, I became a highly successful whatever, right, X, Y, Z, because they were no longer behaving in a, in a, in a lazy way. Um, or they were no longer being lazy, whatever, whatever definition you want to call. But what I wanted to fundamentally ask you is, do you think there is a difference between laziness and disengagement? I think, and this is just my interpretation and how I uh, take it based on context clues, laziness is 
is a more personal choice. It is a a decision to disengage. Whereas disengagement itself can have many more factors leading into it that cause the disengagement. But couldn't you say the same about laziness? I don't think in common parlance that's how it's used. So in your original tweet, you said um, that it is because they are lazy. And I think that every time that I hear people discussing laziness, it's so, for example, going back to to the, the host point about using it in a positive way, such as I'm having a lazy weekend. It's I am choosing to do nothing this weekend. And I do think when we use that word, that is the context that the majority of people take. And I'd argue from your responses that you got, that is the way most people hear that word. Okay. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a valid argument. There's, I mean, that's why I've invited, you know, three or four people on who, who I know disagree with me because I want to hear, you know, I want to, I want to reflect. I want to hear what, what different people think. I, I still haven't, I, I think somebody made a comment, can't remember who it was, so I can't credit them. And said something similar to you is why don't we use a different word, which is demotivated instead of lazy? I, I think that's a valid sort of argument to make. I'd need to think on that. But I, you know, I think that was OK. I mean, you know, it's obvious the word lazy sort of makes people uncomfortable and, and, and whatever. I, I personally, I think it comes back to what I said earlier in terms of not not. How can I put this correctly? Um, being being as honest as you can about things. Um, so if, as a professional, you draw an opinion on something that sounds negative or is critical, then I don't think that should be sort of ignored or or sort of we, we, we need to sort of try and make it... S- I don't know. I don't know how to sort of explain what I'm trying to say, but I don't. I don't. I, what makes me uncomfortable is maybe like sort of not being honest with kids about the way they uh, are behaving. And as I said at the, at the outset, I think caution needs to be made. I think lots of questions need to be asked before any sort of judgments or opinions are made on a student. And every student needs to be taught as an individual. And lots of people replied to me saying, oh, it's obvious you're a bad teacher and you don't think about each individual student. Well, I can categorically say that's not true. Um, and I would, you know, absolutely welcome those people to, to come and observe me teach any time. I would never prejudge a student. I would always be incredibly cautious whenever any sort of opinion or judgment is made. But equally, um, I if, if an opinion is made by a professional, I feel as though we do need to be honest with people whether that's adults children because otherwise what what are we doing you know can i can i come in there just to say you know what from a sort of english teacher's point of view just thinking about words all the time it's a very emotive word no i understand i I I was just gonna say that you know that's why demotivated or um disengaged is is less troublesome because they're not really as emotive and you know i think nowadays we we tend we try to be very careful I, I think most people try to be quite careful about kind of um you know using words like say bossy or um difficult or because they're kind of again they're sort of catch-all words that that 
don't really get to the, the nub of what you're talking about with a student. And maybe that's why lazy also comes into that, because it's just just it is quite a big set of behaviors that you're describing and it does have quite an emotive feeling to it which yeah then that would be just purely from and I mean I was coming at it very much from that point of view which is it's the word that I have the problem with um in itself well, I think fair, though, too, you did say very clearly in my 25 years of experience <laughs> there's no such thing as a lazy child yeah. so even though I understand you had a problem with the word yeah. you also yeah. did say that very clearly and I you did. have you have to be fair to you, you have also in the in the course of this interview stood by what you said there. So fair enough, that's yeah. what you believe. You know, you've stood by it, and and okay. Um, I'll just bring... to piggyback, if I can just quickly piggyback on Very the back quickly, of that, David, because we've got is... all the callers. Go. Yeah, of course. I think that laziness shuts down the conversation. So if you say so and so is lazy, nobody then asks uh, a further question such as why are they lazy but if you say so and so is disengaged the follow-up question is perfectly reasonably why and i think when we use lazy it's a it is a to 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 coin it a lazy way of shutting it down but if we say disengaged that then causes us to ask more questions as professionals but I, su I suppose, David, coming back to my original question which you haven't really answered yet is there a difference between disengaged and lazy I think if you are going by dictionary definition, no. But if you're going by colloquial use and the way that everyday understanding, then yes, the difference is that laziness is almost an innate quality of a person, which is, is immutable at, at, that, that, at time, that time, at that yeah. time, which is immutable. Therefore, when we say that person's lazy, no one says, well, why are they lazy? Whereas if we say that person is demotivated, that's no longer an immutable characteristic. That is something that we can go why how can we amend that and i think that is a really key difference right i'm gonna go Gemma and then tommy and then paul is just called in and then brent so Gemma, what are your thoughts can students oh just before Gemma speaks can i just say a massive shout out to our sponsor tonight which is pearson mfl um so if you're interested in modern foreign languages please go to the teachers talk radio website click on the blog icon and there are free podcasts that we've done in the last three or four weeks about the relevance of language learning um, hosted by darren lester they're absolutely fantastic i'm not just saying that because i'm part of teachers talk radio they genuinely are really good so if you have a chance to listen to any of them and you're interested in language learning click on that blog check it out um you've got links to all three episodes in there and also do check out pearson mfl's new gcses at go.pearson.com forward slash mfl Gemma, do you think students can be lazy do you think lazy exists hi there first of all i think this has been a really interesting discussion and it's been nuanced and it's very difficult to get out on twitter um, you can tell yes. that by some of the comments and the way that some people have just been shouting at each other in the comments. Um, but when I read your tweet, what I took it to mean was that there seems to be this trend, particularly in Scotland, to assume that all behaviour is being caused by some kind of underlying pathology. And some people are very yes. evangelical about that. Um, and I related to what you said about how it's, what was it you said, that it's like blasphemy to say anything else. Um and I think sometimes we're going down the road of thinking, you know, there is no other possible factor that can influence behaviour. Like, and we know that's not true. I've got a psychology degree before I was a teacher and there's infinite factors that can affect human behaviour. Young people are as human as us. They're as capable, you know, they can make choices, good choices and not so good choices. Um, yeah, and I just took it to mean that not everything is caused by something being terribly wrong. 
sometimes a young person just can't be bothered and that's not a character flaw it's a normal thing I've said that to students like sometimes I can't be bothered as well but we just need to power through and I think that's a bit of a life skill as well to say you know sometimes you, you just need to be self-motivated in some circumstances you know and of course sometimes there is something wrong there is a reason for disengagement but I think we're in danger of going down the road of being too quick to pathologize everything and everyone if that makes mm. sense I think I think my I think my sort of point was that yes is exactly what you've said is that is that some students can't be bothered because they can't be bothered that that's and not not all and maybe not even most I don't know but there is a lot of teenagers who can't be bothered because they can't be bothered there's no deeper I think you use the word pathological or or whatever there's no there's no sort of reason behind it um that that is to do with the lesson being disengaging or that they've had a traumatic experience or that they have uh you know whatever there's no other reason behind it other than they're a teenager and they can't be bothered and that's what now i could be completely wrong and i'm willing to this is why i'm doing this show to hear different opinions you know maybe someone can change my mind i'm completely open to changing my mind on this my experience tells me i'm not wrong but then equally i i want to hear different views Gemma, thanks so much for sharing do stick around if you can uh wonderful person and contributor so thank you very much uh, no worries. I do just think, you know, sometimes, and I've spoken to kids and say, like, I really appreciate honesty. And sometimes they say, honest, miss, nothing's wrong. I just can't be bothered. And young people don't yet have the life experience always to see the bigger picture. And, that's and part can, of do you know what, Gemma, yeah. to, say this, to say this, I would never say to a student, you, you are really lazy. You are really lazy. Because that's not a good, that's not, that's not good. You know, that's not the way I would personally go about things. It, it might be that they it might be that I would use that word in another context, um, but I would never use it as a way to criticize a student um, to them on a personal level. But anyway, um, Tommy, I'll bring Tommy in. Tommy. You know, Evening all. Me. There you go. Um, yes, I'm not. Apologies if it's kind of going over um, points I've already been made. Uh, and, and not long been on. So um, I think for me, um, looking at the, the sort of title, yeah, of course, of course, students can be lazy, they can be disengaged, they can be however you want to call it. My kind of issues w- with the, the the tweet weren't the term lazy. Um, it was just more the sort of insistence that it's not because of trauma or anything else. And, I think there's just that worry that there's maybe some kids sometimes that you know they act a certain way and we think we've we've got a good grip on on them as a student and their background when in reality we we don't know um you know kids can go through their entire school life we think that everything's kind of fine at home and then find out that actually it's pretty horrific um and they might get typecasters as you say, lazy or disruptive or whatever else. Um, that's why I, I, I mentioned a few times in different tweets, you know, if people saw the the overlap podcast with Deli Ali, you know, just 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 type him in and look at the sort of sort of things like tabloids are saying about him and and um his character and stuff and I can only imagine what school must have been like for him. Um and you know what what sort of character traits would have been attributed to him 
and he'd be oh no he, you know he's alright he's just he just can't be arsed he's, he just can't be bothered well then you know now at however old he is 30 late 20s um, you know he, un- he uncovers this really really difficult childhood and yeah of course that's not going to be every child but the point is we don't know that um, so but I think I think there Tommy on that one let me just sort of challenge throw in a bit of a challenge there is if I as a teacher set, made a conclusion which could be wrong right of this student appears to to not be bothered because they're not they're not bothered you know from my sort of investigations from my very cautious fact finding and my experience in over a long series of lessons this student can't be bothered and my conclusion is the reason they can't be bothered is because they can't be bothered let's say for example that was um that was uh correct right um that shouldn't change the way i treat that student or or as a professional deliver that that would not decrease my motivation to teach that student well it wouldn't alter the way i treated that student with positive regard it would be a professional conclusion that i've made but as a professional it should not and will not impact the way in which i would deliver for that student does that make sense so even though i'm i'm agreeing with you mistakes can be made but i i think mistakes can be made by anybody in any context so for example people could say well you know uh, this this we've, we've done our fact finding and we we consider that this student is excused from x y z and z because of this and later on they realize actually they shouldn't have been excused they shouldn't have been given a get out so so you could use the example you've just given with Deli Ali for another student where a mistake was made but in the other end of the spectrum do those two points make sense no, I get what you're saying, and 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 you know, I agree with Gemma. You know, we can't over pathologize and just assume that everybody, um, you know, is struggling or has these deep traumatic histories or anything. Of course not. Um, and yes, yeah, some students are going to be disengaged and going to have off lessons just because you know they've not got a good amount of sleep or they've not it properly that day or whatever. There's going to be any number of reasons, but that still doesn't mean that we know everything about them. Do you know what I mean? So it's not to say, Oh, Joe blogs has been a bit off it this lesson. I bet this has happened to him five years ago. It's not to say that, but it's just that professional curiosity over time. Um, to kind of keep at the back of your mind. That doesn't mean that one-off lesson was suddenly, you know, ringing the crisis team and 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 panicking. But for me, just that tweet, it was, it was just, and as I said in a few tweets, it was just the kind of insistence that we know that it's because of this, not because of something else. But I didn't say so that about everything... all... I didn't say that about all students. We can We can only know what we know. As teachers. Yeah, exactly. So we can only but, know what like we know. For, for we any students, to, we like don't know, say, do we? But we do have to, as teachers, we are asked to make conclusions, judgments, and have an opinion on a professional level on on all our students. We're asked to do that. So it's yeah, of course. You, so at some point, you have to, as a teacher, be able to offer your opinion on the behaviour and also 
potentially the reasons for the behavior, if there are any, for that student. You have to be willing to do that. So every teacher, there's no way that a teacher would not at some point make a mistake or a miscalculation on that one way or another. So for me, it's a, it's sort of like, I get what you're saying exactly, but for me, it's like a moot point because everyone will do that at some point. Everyone will make a mistake because we've got to make judgments on thousands of students, on parents' evenings, on, you know, on all these different things that we do, even just informally, you know, in meetings with, with leaders or whatever. What, what do you think about this student? What's going on? Etc. And And as long as you're professional, I think every every teacher... And as long as they're cautious and they ask lots of questions and they they, they sort of try to ascertain, I mean the point. Yeah, I, I get that. Point, um, but the, the, no, sorry, more point. Sorry, it's not. No, just to finish off is on my tweet. I didn't say, and I understand that you know perhaps it came across that way, but I would never say that all, all students are X Y Z, and that there can never be a reason that it has been due to some sort of trauma trauma or traumatic experience. I would never say that. Of course not. But what I can say is what I said in the tweet, which, and, and I also understand that people don't like the word lazy. That's absolutely fine. I, I, I get that bit. That's, you know, and maybe I could look at an alternative word to use in future. But in terms of the actual premise of the tweet, like there are a lot of, you know, for want of a better word, lazy teenagers that's you know I, I can't retract that do you know what i mean i can't no of course and yeah like i said there's going to be lazy kids and of course looking at it objectively out of those that are disengaged lazy whatever some of them there won't be you know th those issues all my point was yeah looking at it in the front of the class we we don't always know which ones are which so, yeah, you're going on about making mistakes. It's not making mistakes. You can pull a kid up for being disengaged and stuff and, 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 and ask questions just because years later they might then disclose that things had happened to them. That doesn't mean that we've made a mistake because making those disclosures is really tough and on average it can take up to seven years to make those disclosures. So it's not about making mistakes, but it's just that assumption was just more my point that, we don't always know and yes kind of you know looking at it sort of statistically yeah there's going to be kids that are just disengaged because of as i said any number of reasons other than trauma difficult childhoods whatever um but it was just that kind of assumption that was coming across that i was challenging and and that's it well yeah i mean i I understand how that came across. It certainly isn't my point of view. I think there can be a variety of reasons for for every behaviour. And I think that every student should be treated as an individual and no prejudgment should be made. And certainly no no sort of judgment should be made, professional judgment should be made um, quickly and without caution. Um, they, they are my genuine opinions. That's what I've done throughout my career. But in saying that, I sort of, yeah, I don't, I think, I think Gemma, made the point earlier i think that perhaps there is a feeling of some teachers not all getting a bit um frustrated with the i with the chat every time a teacher says this student has this student is behaving like x or this student has done x uh, just talking about their behaviors that there is more and more 
of a trend. I think Gemma was talking about Scotland in particular this for saying there must be a, a reason behind this. And therefore, because there is a, I think Gemma used the phrase pathological, I can't remember, but because there is that reason behind it, we therefore need to, you know, not, I don't know, not not sanction or not not be able to sort of act on that behaviour or not be able to do the things that, you know, maybe in the past teachers have been been trained to do. Um, you know what I mean? That's that's where I think some of yeah, that... Yeah, I know what you mean. That's kind of crossing into the trauma-informed arguments yeah, and, is, and things like is. that now. And, and I, get it. I get it from both sides. And I think there's a balance to be had there. You know, I was... I was not very well behaved at school at all. And I was just very fortunate that my year group was pretty horrific. So my bad behavior knocked, you know, wasn't as bad as the worst kids. So it kind of Can went somewhat unnoticed. Can I, you well, don't have to answer this, but why did you misbehave at school? At the time, I didn't have reason for it. Looking back now and going through CBT and stuff, I had very, very low self esteem and self worth. So, I was I was pretty smart. I was yeah. in the top sets um, for English and science, bottom set for maths. But because of that low self esteem and 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 low self worth, and just how things worked for me, trying and putting the effort in was quite risky. Because then, if everybody knew I was putting effort in and I didn't get top of the class, I look an idiot. So for me, it was easier to mess around drift by and just get b's and c's mm. um, then then put the effort in and not look good if that makes sense so then yeah, i got was... moved down moved down due to my behavior which, which was a big wrong. mistake for them which is... because but that, that just again, meant i could misbehave more yeah i could that's misbehave more but then be top of the class so but so that, looking I mean, back what, now i can should, see my behavior what should those teachers have done, if you see what I mean? Apart from obviously if not I had... moving you down a set. <laughs> Tommy's still there. I think Tommy's got you know, a mic on. I can't. Oh, there he is. He's back. Sorry, was there, was there cutting out then? Yeah, I think you went briefly. Yeah, so I was saying, if, you know, if... Obviously, schools are very different places now to, to when I was at school in the sort of 2000s from 2000 to 2007 so there wasn't anybody you can go and talk to in a pastoral kind of um, um, way so I would have detention pretty much every single day I'd go and do my lines and then they'd just rip them up and chuck them in the bin I'd play football for 10 minutes and I'd be happy didn't bother me one bit so this is why when you know when people sort of scoff at like the restorative conversation and things like that for certain things that that probably could have had a decent impact on me because I would have been able to talk things through and maybe start to break down why that behavior was happening that didn't happen so it ended up being in my 30s when when I ended up trying to break it all down hmm. Hmm. i think for me um the fundamental idea of a restorative conversation is is obviously not a bad one um, I think there, there is, uh, it's great. Um, I think the issues for me with it would come about with number one, the amount of time individual teachers have to, to do that, uh, two, getting it right. 
Um, three, the use of a restorative conversation instead of a a sanction or 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 you know um, something meaningful that that is a consequence. And sometimes that I'm not saying a restorative conversation can't be a meaningful consequence. I'm not suggesting that. But I mean a meaningful sanction. I mean something that that comes alongside that, and that they would be my issues with the actual idea of a. I think what you said makes perfect sense in 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 terms of, you know, you wanted someone to have a conversation with you um, about things, perhaps, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, someone just said, "Come on, mate, like what's what's yeah. going on?" Yeah. Um, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Okay. Tommy, listen, mate, that was a really good contribution. So thanks very much for sharing your, your view. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we'll move on to uh, who was next? My God. Uh, I think it was Paul, actually. Paul, you're next. Hey, yeah. Uh, can you guys hear me okay? We can. Um, lazy is such an interesting word because, uh, you know, if you look at the definition, it just means unwilling to work or put in yes. energy, right? So it's it's, I think, for very good reasons, become stigmatized because of the way it has put blame on students over, you know, the course of our history and education. Uh, but in itself, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a negative thing. And in fact, uh, you know, lots of, it says nothing about the intelligence of the student. In some ways, it may mean that the student is more intelligent yeah, in, in that, you know, you all it's saying is that the student is just not putting in the energy into a task which they don't feel is rewarding for them. And every student is making those calculations several times a day about all kinds of activities. We do it ourselves. They're lazy. God knows I'm a lazy adult. Uh, I don't always, I'm not always engaged in my job teaching, to be honest. Um, so, you know, to, to, to admit that and come from a place of just, it's it's gone from being an epithet to then the people are trying to use these euphemisms like disengaged, which really isn't the same thing. You can have students that are engaged and lazy. Um, they just may be lazy about doing certain of certain types of engagement, which I think Tommy, you know, his experience is is instructive because I think a mm. lot of kids who are bright, they don't want to test that. And that's sort of like they they would be putting things at risk if they didn't if they didn't do well in a certain area. But, you know, I think part of the problem is that people are taking it as a they're imagining a prescription that they're that should be applied to laziness. And they're seeing it as like there's almost like a an there's this archetype of the of the bad parent, which is wagging its finger at the child. Like, You're lazy and you, you know, it's your fault. Um, and I think we've gone completely in the opposite direction for a, a lot of educators today. I think it's systemic where, you know, if we're so afraid of calling students names or asking them to put the effort in um, that now we are supposed to be therapists, which is really not our job either. Like, we're not, I mean, it's important to have a relationship with our students, but to dig deep into all of the millions of possible reasons why they might be lazy. And I don't think that's particularly helpful either, because I don't think that we can do it well, for one thing. And also, it doesn't really address the reason for their disengagement, right? You can have all sorts of things going on at home, and they can be very serious, and they can range on a spectrum from extremely traumatic to just simply, you know, I, eh. um, but what, what I think helps is giving the child an experience of, of competence where they can, you know, maybe in a, instead of a restorative conversation, 
you give them a problem or you give them something and then they you give them a chance to actually do something and reflect on why they were able to do it and they get a positive uh reward for that right so it's for me it's very reward focused to try to you know bring um bring a student out of a out of a laziness yeah yeah no it makes makes perfect sense um i think you've raised a lot of really interesting points there you know and, and, um yeah yeah go on paul oh paul's gone oh, right and, raquel and, you know, like a laziness is... oh paul's back oh sorry go go paul. <laughs> sorry yeah it's, no go it's on a, you dropped out one go. more thing is that um you know having worked in in tech and and laziness is this is a you know you can actually create a lot of important innovations by being lazy right like if you if you write a, a snippet of code that does something that saves you time a lot of the impetus to do that is out of laziness like why should i spend an hour doing this when i can do it in five minutes uh so it's it's in some ways it's a it can be a good thing um and also you got a lot of students that get, get very high marks and their laziness is yeah. hidden right so because they're not um they're not doing as well as they could because they're satisfied with a B or, you know, that's in our system. Like you get a B, I don't know what it is for you guys, Yeah. but you know, so I just think that, um, I think it's important not to use the prescription to lower standards for children based on some assumed reason for the laziness. It gets very, I think it does, it does them zero favors to do that. Um, we are called upon to find ways to create that 50 50 uh environment where it's 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 partly them and it's partly us and i just i feel like we can do better at creating those situations where they can do it know that they did it well and then get some motivation out of it um i want to bring julia in very briefly before going to raquel and then marilyn and then brent and then um rob and then luke um uh julia i don't know i just wonder what you thought on what paul said because he said we, we can't make assumptions that students uh, paul i don't want to misquote you here but i think you just said something like we can't make assumptions on students being uh, the reasons why students are being lazy yeah i think that's what you've just yeah said. pretty much and i mean we can know we can't know all the details and i think that's sort of beyond our purview so, in a sense but Julia, that sort of goes against what you've said, doesn't it? Because you, you're saying that, yes, there is a reason why all students are not lazy. And that's because of their disengagement with learning. Well, with the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that, well, I'm just saying that I think that, that the word lazy is too big a catch-all to encompass, um, you know, it, it encompasses way too many possibilities of why someone might not be doing something. And actually, I'm sitting here at, with my son, um, and his girlfriends and we've been talking about as you've been talking and um, they're both 18 um, and um, we're, we're just listening to Paul talking about that thing about um, you know being lazy and wanting to find shortcuts and we were just saying that actually that's a different type of lazy and I understand why that is kind of I understand why you would use the word lazy to describe that but that's not actually lazy in the way you're describing it as I can't be bothered it's lazy as in I want to find a quicker way to do this and yes there's an element of I can't be bothered sort of in there but there's still curiosity isn't there can I find a better way to do this is there a, is there a shortcut is there something better so it's still playing to what I said to you at the start which is that human nature is to be curious and that children aren't <laughs> Julia, lazy. You're... 
Julia, you're always going to find a way of working this. Part. I am, because, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> You've worked um, it out as well. <laughs> Raquel, um, we'll bring Raquel in next. Big fan of Raquel on, on Twitter and stuff. Raquel, do you want to sort of unmute yourself and say hi? Hi. Uh, can you hear me at all? Yep, loud and clear. <laughs> okay. I'm driving, so I apologize in advance if you hear background noise. Um, but I think the speaker whose thoughts I'd probably echo most is, um, that of Paul's. Mm. So first I want to say that I certainly do not want to have a return to an educational system in which we take absolutely no time at all to examine, you know, the home lives or the backgrounds from which our students came, uh, come. I don't think that's, I think that's been a positive development in education yeah. that we have social workers and counselors on staff and folks who are sort of devoted to like dealing with the holistic child or young person. Um, but as Paul stated, I would also agree that we've swung in the opposite direction um, in that it seems as though we're very, very uncomfortable with ever um, placing the locus of control within the hands of a child or within the hands of a young person. Um, and this happens even when we've exhausted all possible resources. I'll give it like a brief anecdote uh, from, you know, the course that I'm teaching right now in the summer. Um, we give students it's a pre-high school class. It's intended to acclimate students to high school, so they're rising eighth graders in the U.S. system. And so we've given them homework twice a week, very predictable, Monday and Wednesdays, to get them in the habit of doing homework. It really is usually like a 20-minute Get this. We offer a homework lab. After, after summer school ends, you can literally come back to the classroom for um, additional homework help. And we still have students uh, who, who have, whom have gone most of the summer just not completing any of the assignments. Um, to me, in a situation like this where we have like exhausted all possible avenues of providing support to the student, I don't feel like a monster for then saying, yeah, so-and-so, <laughs> they're being lazy. Mm. I, I don't feel mm. like a monster in that case. Um, mm. but, I mean, I think that's what yeah. I sort of was saying earlier in terms of being cautious and, and fact-finding and, and sort of... Because what you've said there is you, you, you've seen patterns over time. You, you've seen, you know, you've investigated, you, you've looked into things and you've come to a judgment as a professional, this is what's going on. And as a professional, you're, you should be very much entitled to that point of view and yeah I, I do get the debates about the word lazy I, I sort of understand why people don't like it you know I, I, I understand but I also like what Paul said about it not necessarily being a negative word I think I think Nathan also said that a wonderful administrator who is in the background and um, a few people have sort of made that point which I also think is a really good um, point to bring into things Raquel thanks so much for ringing in that was great um, we'll move on next no to uh, Brent. You're going to have to wait, mate, because I know when we get you started, it'll go on for a long, long time. Oh, I'm just going to pose a question. 
Uh, go on quickly. So uh, everybody listening, I'm, I'm going to say if I'm a parent myself and I ask any parent and I ask a parent about their own child and I've had enough parents even so I must have spoken to thousands of parents over the last 20 odd years and a lot of parents will say to me, look, my child's lazy. And it's not as if they don't love their child and that can come from every background. In fact, sometimes it comes yeah. from the best backgrounds. So children are inherently lazy. Their parents will tell them that. How many times they pick up their this up? Pick up. We know that's in their nature. I'd ask this question, and I miss my theory, my hypothesis. I study motivation as, as part of uh, my master's because I want to know what makes people tick as a social scientist. As a working class kid myself, I want to know how I got myself out of where I got myself out of and what, why I'm so motivated. Brothers, poor background, proving a point, all those things. And I tried to analyze why I was successful against all the odds. But here's my question. As an educator in the last 20 years, I find myself doing more. I find the children doing a lot less. I can only come to one conclusion. And I'm sorry if some people are triggered by those words. I think our children are becoming more lazy. I think the education system is enabling it because I think we are now overdoing it. I think we're killing these children sometimes with kindness, not letting them struggle. And I think we're disarming them and we're actually feeding into what we're actually creating because we're making it sometimes less challenging and not strong enough. Now, I put that out to the floor and say, you know, thumbs up if you agree, thumbs down if you disagree and see what the floor says. But that's my theory on that. So... I let people thumbs up and thumbs down on that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Brent. That I mean, I think you know where I'm going to agree with you, but I think there'll be a lot who won't. And I'll go next because Marilyn has had a hand up for a long time. So, Marilyn, you're next. If you want to unmute yourself, bottom left. If you don't unmute yourself. Oh, there we go. Can't hear anything yet. Okay, we'll move on. Marilyn's not there. Um, I think next was Rob, actually, and then potentially Luke. So, Rob, if you want to go next. Hi there, guys. Um, some really interesting comments I've been hearing here. And I think, like was it Brent, who was just mentioned earlier, I think that in society, I think there's a difference between what's acceptable for a teacher to say and what a parent can say. I've just been away with some rugby mates who... We've all had our kids going through A-levels. And a couple of those parents have said, you know what, my son, yeah, a bit lazy. Could have done more. You might still get his grades, but could have done more. Mm. And the other part of it is, it's a kind of analogy I'll use. One of the parents was our rugby coach, and he would quite often say to us that he wouldn't use the same language in every kid, because every kid ticks with different language. Some of them, it's a and now I'm around the shoulder, kind, warm words, gets the best out of them. To other kids, you're a lazy so-and-so, get your backside into gear. And I think he's, as he's coached for the last 15 years, I think that's, a, it's like a teacher's role, isn't it? You've got to understand what language, how's the best to get what, you know, out of the kid. And some of that language can have, be, can have to be slightly coarse. The problem is teachers, society doesn't expect teachers to use coarse language of any size or description. But I think from a parent's point of view, I think it's more acceptable. And I think parents do use it. Of course, parents do use other language that I certainly wouldn't use. Mm. But as a parent, the word lazy, I don't really have any issue. It gets to the heart of the matter. I certainly don't think all kids are lazy. I think a lot of kids can, uh, can be really good at what they're trying to do. But I think like, was it Brent who was previously saying? I don't see, I think if you look back in history, there's never been such a great time for learning. I'm studying at the moment. And I think how fortunate are we? We've got the internet at hand. 
when I was sort of 16, 17, I had to do a, a 10 mile bus journey to go to a library. And if the book wasn't there, I was stuffed. There's so much opportunities now for learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think for a youngster now, oh, it's a dream for learning. Mm-hmm. Of course, you've got to have the right background, you've, you've got to have the right support around it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And there's other issues that get that. But it's a great time for learning, I think. Rob, thanks so much for sharing. Um, Brent, what was your question again? I can't remember what it was. It was very good. The Qu- question was, are our children becoming more lazy because we, as educators, are enabling that? You know, we- we're doing too much. And I think that's a general point of society because we're, we're living in a society and automation's coming. Is things, and a, a previous caller's actual point is true, our kids don't have to work for things any longer. And because they don't have to work, we, I think the teachers are filling the gap. And right, I think Brent, we're demotivating stop, stop them because there, we're doing there. too much. Um, yeah, sorry. That, there you go. Julia, Got it? <laughs> yeah, Got it? I want to ask Julia that question. Julia, do you agree with Brent that the students are becoming more lazy because we're allowing them to become more lazy? Um, well, you've got two 18-year-olds listening to that right now who really don't agree with you on that one. I'm going to say my son just said, try sitting four A-levels and see how lazy you feel. I think that's a really emotive thing to say, and there's absolutely no evidence. I want to see the evidence that says that kids are lazier and aren't having to work as hard now, because that's not what I see at all. I really don't see that. And I would- Julia, do you, do you, can I ask you, but you don't have to answer this, but it's just, I know you mentioned it earlier. Do you, do you sort of teach in private schools and stuff? Is that your sort of bag? No, I've taught across absolutely everything. I've taught in private schools. I've taught in big state comprehensives. I've taught in primary schools that are state schools. I've taught in really difficult areas. So it's really important not to label me like that. Yeah. No, no, no. I was was (laughs) just asking. Because you mentioned it earlier. And and that's why I was asking. I've just seen privilege. Um, I've seen every end of the spectrum. That's why I talk about it. Because I want to be clear that I've seen huge privilege in schools. And I've seen real deprivation in schools. I've seen both sides. Okay, Brent, do you want to come back on anything there? Well, why has teaching become so difficult? Why? why? You ask a lot of teachers. I posted up the other day, I posted that, that comment and says, we teachers are doing more work. As a generation of teachers, I think we work harder than any other generation. And, and I'm designing absolutely fantastic lessons. And the thing of it is, I don't think the students appreciate it because I don't think they appreciate the learning. It goes back to the previous caller's point. And yes, there are individual kids out there who've got desire and motivation and they come from all different backgrounds. But as a whole, I could ask the question, is society becoming lazier? Are we becoming very more slovenly? Are we? You, you look at our waistlines, you look at our activities. We are becoming more easier to pick things up. And therefore, our kids bothered. And as, as a requirement these days, if a child struggles in class, somebody comes in and inspects you and says to you, why is that child struggling? We don't let them struggle any. We can't let them struggle. They have to succeed. They have to do well. And, and we're the ones to blame. So I think teachers too often now are trying so, so hard to keep kids going that we're actually demotivating them because we're making it so, so accessible. And that's hard to say, but some kids have to struggle. They have to work hard. And that means they have to earn it. If it's given too lightly or if it's too easy, then it's, it's no motivation. And it comes down to the heart of motivation. What motivates our kids? They just can't be bothered sometimes because in the end, they're going to be all right. Many of our kids think they're going to be all right. What's the point? They're going to get away with it anyway. They'll get a job in the future. A lot of our kids don't see that the intrinsic motivation or they, see, they feel the intrinsic motivation. They just get it too easy. And we make it too easy sometimes because we are under pressure to make it too easy because we're afraid that somebody will judge us and say, your children aren't learning. 
And that's the pressure we put on ourselves as staff. And that's one of the reasons why there's so many people leaving teaching, because we're just put under a huge amount of pressure that we're the only reason the children succeed or fail. And I think, unfortunately, the children themselves have to take more ownership and responsibility for their own learning and less put on staff. And if that starts to happen, you might retain more teaching staff. Julia? Oh, okay. Um, well, first of um, uh, my son's just held up a search that says um, GCSE bell curve, which points out that children do fail and they fail all the time. Um, so, you know, you can't say that every child has to succeed and does succeed and that we can support them all to succeed because we can't, because it's a bell curve and children do fail. But also my, my answer to why a teacher's feeling like they have to work harder than ever before, that to me is very clear because, you know, I started teaching, I think, in 96 um, so, you know, I've been around a while and to me, that's about all the requirements that are outside of the classroom. That's not about the children. My relationship with the children has not changed at all in the, that time. I don't think that the children that I see now are any different in, t in terms of who they are. Yes, they have different influences. They have social media and different things coming in on them, but essentially they're the same. They want to learn, they want to engage, they are generally interested people and they care about the world. But, but what's on teachers' plates is everything else. It's all the admin, the data, the constant observations, the constant planning, the death by PowerPoint, the, all of it. It's just, it's a ridiculous workload and it means you can't spend the time um, developing the relationships with the students and actually teaching them properly because you're spending so much time doing everything else. That's the problem. It's not anything to do with the students. I really but, but defend we, them. But we that. have a situation, but sorry, we have a situation where teachers' careers are destroyed, destroyed by data because somebody will come into my class and I'm an extremely motivated, passionate, working class Irish historian. And this is the thing. My kids will tell you, two and a half thousand children I've taught, you can get no fire and brimstone from me and you can't in the classroom. I won't tolerate lazy children. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter how good or passionate I am. They're not interested. They'll have the choice. Sit down to their choice. The, the student has a locus of control. They can choose to learn or not choose to learn. And me, I got on my hands and knees one time and begged a child, please just go into that exam hall. I have no control of their attendance, no control over their background, no control over their attitude, no control over all of those things outside my control. But yet I am judged on the raw data of a score and that is the reality of what we are as teachers and that means that we're working hard and working so so hard to be the deciding factor and unfortunately i think the system measures us wrong because a lot of us don't feel as we measure up i sometimes think i'm not good enough for the children i'm teaching because my motivation is so strong i used to think i could motivate children like captain my captain sir i can't do it I cannot be the motivation. I can create an environment of motivation. I can create a culture of motivation, a classroom of motivation. But when it comes down to it, that child's choice is that child's choice. And we can excuse some of the excuses away. I suffered trauma as a child. I grew up in a bloody war zone in a working class background. But here's the thing. I wasn't allowed to be lazy because God helped me. My parents would have absolutely skinned me alive if I didn't get to university. And when it comes down to that, they rescued me. But I also rescued myself. And there was one or two teachers that did inspire me. But when it comes down to it, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps because it was in my character, it was in my personality because of who I am. That wasn't put there by some teacher. That was there because of me. And I chose to be lazy. There's nothing on this earth that I can do to some children if they choose to do what they choose. And that's where we have to get this right or wrong because we are sometimes blamed for things way outside our control. And there's not, you can be the best teacher in the world, best lessons in the world, most engaging lessons in the world, but if a child just chooses, they don't want to learn, there's nothing you can do. Simple as that. Uh, Julia, if a child chooses not to learn, there's nothing you can do. Simple as that is what Brent says. Um, 
Are you feeling? Are you feeling calm? Julia? Oh yeah, you... <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think I've got I've got a few points here that have come come from all of us in the room. Um, you know, my son said, should we give up on the children who you know are sort of deemed lazy and won't try and are the, the problem? Do we just give up on them? And um, also a question about how. I don't think Brent, I don't think Brent suggested you know, that. Know, but just to say also how what Brent. Well, we were just wondering how we do measure teacher success. Now, I've already agreed with him that I hate all the data stuff. So I'm not saying for one minute that I think that, you know, all the data that we have to produce is a good way of measuring teachers. But it is a valid question to ask. How do we measure teacher success? There, I mean, what are the ways? Because that's an interesting question. Um, but yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I obviously, you know what my opinion is. I, I feel that um, it's not about the children here. It's about the system. Um, and it's about the way that our education system works, which means that children's disengage. And I mean, I've said that from the start. You know that. Yeah, you have. You have. No, I, that I agree. I mean, we, we were given a curriculum by Michael Gove. I've taught English. And I suppose good teachers sometimes find a way to make that curriculum come alive. But there's only so much you can do when you are sometimes given a prescriptive curriculum and then judged. With it. And again, that comes down to that. You, you're by your trust sometimes are given a scheme of work and said, teach that. And it's not what you would teach. And it must be hard for some, for some teachers who are hands are tied. But when it comes down to it, we are still judged by the success of our children. I don't blame my driving instructor when I failed my driving test. I went the wrong direction. The guy didn't teach me to do some of those things. I had to take responsibility for my actions and I drove the wrong direction, nearly crashed the car. That was on me. And that's not what happens now. It happens, it's, what are you doing? Have you done this? Have you done that? And there's no focus on the child. And we're too afraid sometimes to have those honest conversations with the child and say, you know what, fuck up your own ideas. And I think there's far too much now stock upon they're this, that, the other. And I'll be honest with you, yes, we need to understand the context of things. But we are making excuses sometimes. And unfortunately, those excuses don't extend to staff members. Nobody makes excuses for us. So it's interesting. We sometimes say, this is why this happens for the child. And this is why this happens in this area. But when it comes down to it, we're still expected to perform sometimes academic miracles. And we can't. And then we're judged. And that's one of the reasons why we have a recruitment problem in the teaching. Because we're just, we can only do so much. Brent, thank you very much. We're, You're we're welcome. We're out of time now, so I'm going to kick you off. You'll have to carry this on on Thursday on your show. Education tonight, everybody. 7:30. Well, you know where I am at the moment. I'm on a residential PGL in Wales, so just, just testing the signal for Thursday night. Now it works. No on the worries, Thursday Brent. Night. All right, speak to you soon. <laughs> Cheers, fella. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, we've got two. Right, really quickly, because we're running over already. Uh, we've got um, Marilyn and Luke. I tried to connect you early, Marilyn. It didn't work, so we'll see if it works. I'm time. here. Go ahead. Hopefully. Okay, there you are. There, we can hear you now. Okay, wonderful. There is a um, quote that I cite very often, um, and it is this Children's behavior is inextricably linked to their level of reading. Um, it's by a UK behavior expert that you may or may not be familiar with. His name is John Bailey, and he is now deceased. Um, but the reason I say this is because. My daughter um, has was gifted with above average intelligence, but she also has learning difficulties, uh, specifically dyslexia, dyscalculia, and dysgraphia. And when she was in a U.S. public school, they considered her lazy, disinterested, whatever you would like to call it. However, um, she struggled there for four years, and we made a determination at the end of third grade 
to remove her and place her in a private school for um, twice exceptional kids. So, you know, gifted cognitive abilities with learning difficulties. And she thrived there. Um, why did she thrive there? It was like a, a light switch. Um, I attribute it to two things. Number one, um, the teachers and the staff are all familiar with you her. You drop in again, Marilyn. You drop the signals drop in. Oh, can you hear me? You can just about. Your signals dropping a little bit again. Okay, sorry, I'm in a I'm in a lightning storm, so I don't know. It's okay. Um, uh, so I I attribute her to her success to two things. Um, the the staff was familiar with her neuropsychological profile, um, and they they apply that um in their 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 groupings. Um, so they were grouped by their academic level. And um, also they, they teach in direct, explicit, multimodal. No, Marilyn, you've gone again, I'm afraid. This isn't me kicking you off because of any other reason other than the signal's going. So really sorry about that. It was, um, it was really away. interesting what you... What... Yeah, we, we, you, you're going. Um, Julie, I, I wondered whether you wanted to say something because you're unmuted, but I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I was listening really, with a lot of interest to that. And I think there is a link. Well, obviously, being an English teacher, I'm going to have views about reading. I think obviously there's a massive link to student success with reading. Um, and, you know, it's yeah. really important to find ways that children who struggle with reading um, can access the curriculum. And that includes English. And there are so many ways, you know, they can listen to books. There's yeah. so much you can do. So that's very possible, actually. Yeah. Right. We've got our final comment from Luke before we go. Luke, do you want to unmute yourself? Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, so... First of all, Mr. Rogers, uh, hello again. You taught me in um, a school in, in Liverpool. Oh, my um, God. A couple of years ago. Um, first of all, I just want to sort of say, was it Brent, was it? The, the, the Irish person? Yeah, yeah. His, his um, statement, I won't, I won't focus too heavily on this, obviously. He, yeah. He's no longer in the space. Um, his, his comment about if a student chooses not to learn, they won't learn. Um, personally, I... I disagree with, especially in the world of learning today, after having just finished my A-levels. Um, yeah. The reason I disagree with that is because, well, I I went through a period of about three months where I, quote-unquote, chose not to learn, and then yeah. it was my A-level teachers and sort of the intervention from the teachers at the school, yeah. which made me want to learn again. No, I didn't choose not to learn. I just, you know, sort of didn't feel like it. So... I think it is down to the connection that you have with the student. Yeah. But also, um, what Marilyn was saying about where um, she she took her child out of school in third grade and placed them in a private school. Does then that mean that underprivileged students whose parents don't have the money to put them in a private school or place them somewhere with better that's better equipped to deal with students with um, learning disabilities like dyslexia and dyscalculus. Does then that mean that students who can't go to a private school, does that mean that they are then lazy or are they just underprivileged? That's the, that's the sort of the, the question you've got to then ask. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, they're really valid points, Luke. And I'm, I'm so sorry you had the, um, 
unfortunateness of being taught by me in the past. That's that's terrible. <laughs> no, it was it was actually uh, uh, it was very engaged in your lessons. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> Luke, that's not right. You don't have to call me Mr. Rogers, but you can talk, call me Tom now. It's fine. Um, but thanks very much for calling in. Um, that was great. Really nice sort of um, commentary as well. So thank you. Um, right. Listen, um, I think that's a nice point to end on. Thanks, everybody, for calling in. This was like enthralling stuff uh, for two hours and whatever it is. Massive thanks to everybody for uh, getting involved and sticking with this for the entire time that we've been on. Uh, that's been great. Um, huge thanks to everyone who sort of challenged my point of view as well. Um, that was, it was really good, Julia. So thank you very much for coming on and sort of sharing your, your views. I know we don't agree, but I think it's good to share differing views and um, at least then reflect on what they are. So um, so thank you for that. And and to everybody else, uh, Tommy and, and, and various other people who've come on to, to sort of share their two pennies. Uh, I'll be back in a week's time uh, with more stuff. Uh, not sure what yet, um, but yeah, I'll be back. And uh, massive thanks, just a final thanks to Pearson MFL for sponsoring the space tonight um uh for yeah for supporting teachers talk radio and everything that we do uh, and now apparently we've hit seventeen thousand followers so thanks everybody in the space who's followed teachers talk radio since we started that's much appreciated and uh yeah we'll, we'll be back tomorrow with more shows and also uh i'll be back in a week cheers everybody and good night been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio